Welcome to Puritans and Pastoring. I am your host, uh, Pastor Stephen Drazen, a pastor at Cedar Hill Baptist Church in East Bruton, Alabama. Today on our podcast, we will be looking at an important figure in uh, the Puritan tradition, uh, that is John Owen. A little information on resources that are available uh, to get a better understanding of uh, his life. uh, there is, uh, put out by Christian Focus in their History Maker series, a uh, biography, John Owen, Prince of Puritans, originally written by Andrew Thompson in the late 19th century. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson has recently uh, written the Trinitarian Devotion of John Owen, which is available in the long line of Godly Men uh, series, a little short biographical uh, information on uh, men uh, uh, who are uh, pivotal in church history. Also, uh, there's John Owen, The Man and His Theology, uh, which is edited uh, by Robert W. Oliver. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, firsthand biographical information on John Owen as compared to other Puritan figures, uh, w- which has been lamented by many of his uh, biographers, uh, the fact that the first uh, memoir on him was written 20 years after his death. Uh, we do know much of his professional life uh, because uh, he, he was very uh, high up uh, in the chain of Puritans. Uh, Owen uh, went from being a pastor to serving as chaplain under Oliver Cromwell. Uh, he then became a, ch- a chancellor uh, of Oxford University and became a vice chancellor of Oxford University in September 1652. Uh, Owen uh, is also important for his friendship with John Bunyan. It was uh, Owen who encouraged Bunyan to publish his work, uh, Pilgrim's Progress. It was Owen uh, who secured uh, John Bunyan's release from prison later in life. Uh, Interesting fact that many people don't know uh, about John Owen because uh, not a lot of people study him in that depth, but uh, he was congregational uh, in his polity. Also, John Bunyan was licensed as a Congregationalist preacher. Uh, I'm a Baptist and often would claim John Bunyan, uh, but uh, he was registered as a Congregationalist and his uh, views on baptism were uh, out of skew uh, with the the Baptist of his time. So uh, Bunyan was a fellow Congregationalist uh, with Owen and uh, they are both buried in Bunhill Field in London. You're probably wondering where to start in reading John Owen. Uh, he was probably one of the most prolific authors among the Puritans. Uh, his collected works in the Banner Truth uh, uh, run 16 volumes, plus a, a seven-volume commentary on Hebrews, and uh, there is an additional volume, uh, his biblical theology. So uh, uh, you're probably wondering where to start with such a prolific author. Uh, if I were to commend one of his works to you, it would be his work on mortification of sin. Uh, that can be found uh, either in volume six of the collected works. Uh, it's also published in the Puritan paperback series as an abridged edition. And also, Crossway has come up uh, recently published in, in the past 10 years or so, uh, an updated edition of that where the language has been updated to more modern English. As uh, many have noted, uh, Owen had a, a very complex writing style, and uh, if you're reading Owen, it uh, might help uh, to read him aloud, especially if you're reading an unedited version. 
Uh, this work is uh, significant in the history of uh, recent Christianity. Uh, J.I. Packer uh, accredits it uh, uh, greatly in his life. Uh, Packard come from a Keswick background. Uh, he, he was suffering from uh, uh, great doubts uh, regarding his assurance, uh, especially in his struggle with sin and uh, in, Keswick Theology uh, teaches this uh, let go, let God, higher life uh, that uh, drove Packer to despair, uh, and that despair uh, uh, was relieved uh, in part through reading Owen on the mortification of sin. And so I'm just going to go through some highlights uh, that I think uh, are uh, pastorally important uh, in this work. Uh, Owen is basing this work out of Romans 8, particularly 8.13, with the, the command, If uh, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. Uh, he begins by uh, making arguments for why we should put to death our sins. Uh, he, he argues in this work that our main motivation for putting to death sin is that we will live. That we will live. Uh, that... If we are not putting to death our sin, we are in fact in bondage to sin and not saved. Uh, he goes on later to give a secondary motivation that the quality of our spiritual life is entirely dependent on putting to death our sin. And uh, we, we, we pastors and uh, regular Christians know that this is true. Uh, when sin is running rampant in our life, uh, when we are not dealing with besetting sins, uh, the quality of our spiritual life is greatly weakened. Uh, he, he moves on to address the necessity uh, of mortification. Uh, he argues that saying uh, that you've been drawn to Christ, uh, that, that you profess faith in Christ, uh, uh, serves us no excuse from this work. Just because we have professed faith in Christ doesn't mean we can go on living in sin. And he shows that this is a, an ongoing need in Christianity. Uh, Owen is looking at this from an Augustinian understanding of human nature, that even after conversion, we still have indwelling sin, uh, that uh, sinless perfectionism like we uh, find in the Wesleyan uh, tradition uh, is not a possibility for us. He argues that indwelling sin abides in us while we are in this world, that we do not cease our battle against sin until we quit living. That sin not only abides in us, but it's also active even when it seems quiet, which is an important thing to remember. The scripture speaks of the deceptiveness of sin, and sometimes we find ourselves in self examination, realizing that sin has been operative, uh, even though we haven't been aware of it. That if we leave sin alone, it will bring forth ruinous sins. Uh, in many ways, uh, sin is like a, a cancer. I think if Owen were writing today, he would liken it to cancer. You can have cancer uh, that's very active in your body and have no symptoms, and uh, if you don't follow the regular checkups needed to find it, you'll have ruinous uh, results. And he says that the main reason we're given the Holy Spirit to live within us is to put to death our sin. Romans 8, 13, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We have the Spirit to put to death of these warring passions within us. He argues uh, that there are two evils uh, that uh, come uh, to those who aren't putting to death their lives 
their sin and yet profess to be believers in Christ. It says that in the person who does that, they have a, a, a slight view of sin and they abuse the doctrines of grace. Uh, they make the gospel a license for sin. And uh, we see that in certain individuals today where uh, they've viewed grace as this cover-up for sin and an excuse to live in sin. And that is dangerous. But it's not just dangerous uh, at an individual level, according to Owen. Uh, it's also dangerous to others. He argues that it hardens others because they think they are in a good spiritual state because they see other professing believers living uh, in that sin. And so it deceives, according to Owen, uh, people into coming short of eternal life. And he looks at the causes of the Holy Spirit and uh, mortification of sin. Uh, Shows how the Holy Spirit mortifies sin in our lives. Uh, the, the Spirit causes our hearts to abandon grace and fruits which are contrary to the flesh. And that by being renewed by the Holy Spirit uh, is one great way of mortification. Through that uh, new life the Spirit brings, uh, we're given the strength to put to death our sin. Later on in this work, uh, he goes back to his argument that the quality of our spiritual life depends on mortification. That we either lack strength in our spiritual life or peace in our walk with God. And I think many Christians uh, do not have strength in their spiritual lives or peace with God because they are walking in this sin uh, that they need to put to death. He later goes on to argue that unmortified sin will weaken the soul, that it untunes and unframes the heart by tangling the affections uh, where uh, our minds and our hearts and our desires should be set on God. We find them drawn to things of this world that are contrary to God. Uh, he also argues that it fills the thoughts with uh, contrary thoughts, and it breaks out and actually hinders duty, that it darkens our soul. It's a, a cloud that blocks all beams of God's faith, grace and favor. Sometimes uh, when we are in sin, we can feel as if God is distant, whereas it's not that God has moved, but it's we have placed something uh, uh, in front of him to block ourselves from him. Owen goes on to argue that there is no sincerity in the Christian life without mortification, and to lack sincerity is to lack peace. If we are not putting to death our sin, we are hypocrites of the worst sort. He, after going through all these, the work of the Spirit, the uh, importance for our spiritual life, uh, he, he later goes on to uh, talk about what it means to really mortify. And this is something uh, that, that's very useful today because we don't think about what it means to fight sin, to put our sin to death. Uh, Owen argues uh, that uh, mortification of sin or lust uh, is seen in three things. Uh, first, by a habitual weakening uh, of the list or sin. That there is a cautious regarding of lust and temptations to sin. Some lusts uh, are, are more sensible and discernible in their actions. Uh, we, we see that in sexual immorality. 
there's a constant fighting and contending against sin. And that to fight sin, uh, we need three things. We need to know that a man has an enemy to deal with, uh, that we need to know the ways the enemy succeeds, and we need to load sin with things that will kill it. We, we need to have a, a, a strong view against sin. There is a sincere desire required to kill sin, according to Owen. He he makes an argument for uh, using the conscience, loading the conscience with guilt. And I, I think this is very important in our day. Uh, just on Twitter yesterday, I, I was re- read a, a Christian leader arguing that uh, we need to take away the the shame from pornography because uh, shame will drive people to it. Uh, but Owen uh, rightly argues that we need to load the conscience with guilt. That there actually needs to be a godly sorrow and a godly shame for sin. In bringing guilt to bear on our conscience, we start with generals. General principles. He he argues that we need to tell the conscience that it cannot manage any evidence that it is free from condemning sin while unmortified lust remains. That that we can't say, you know, I am freed by God's grace if we are still living with unmortified sin. Because if we're subjecting ourselves as slaves to sin, then we are not walking in freedom. And, And that is a biblical general principle that can bring a godly sorrow to the believer's mind. Owen uh, goes on to argue that the proper work of the law is to awaken, humble the soul because of sin. When we look at the perfect mirror of the law, we see who we are. And uh, Owen also says that we are to bring our lust to the gospel. And this is for further conviction of guilt. Uh, When we rightly understand the gospel and what God has done uh, in bringing propitiation for sins through the death of Christ on the cross, we will have a greater shame of sin in light of the weightiness of Calvary. Owen also provides meditations to bring about humility in the life of believer. You know, he, he argues that we, uh, because we, especially as New Covenant believers, ha- have a better understanding of God because we have a clear view of God in uh, the face of Christ, that all of us know enough to love him more than we do, that the revelation of God in Christ surpasses all others, that the difference between believers is not the matter of knowledge, but the manner of knowledge, and that Jesus Christ reveals all through the word and spirit to those who are his. That we actually see the glory of God in the gospel. And when we realize these things, and we're reading the Old Testament, see how severely sin was taken, and we look at the gospel, we abase ourselves. We are moved to humility by the gospel. And as opposed to white-knuckled moralism uh, that many would argue for today, uh, Owen is, in this work, 
arguing for a clear dependence upon the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, later, towards the end of his work, he argues that all the work we are to do is uh, accomplished by the Spirit for uh, the following reasons. He argues that the Spirit alone clearly and fully convinces the heart of the evil and guilt and danger of corruption. Because only the Spirit could fully discern the heart, thoughts of the heart. He also argues the Spirit alone reveals the fullness of Christ for our relief. That the Spirit alone establishes in the heart expectations for relief. That the Spirit alone brings the cross of Christ into our heart. The Spirit alone is the author and finisher of our sanctification. In general, he argues in all the soul's addresses to God in this condition as the support of the Spirit. So pastorally, if we're dealing with sin in our own lives, if we're trying to counsel our members in addressing sin in their lives, one of the best resources that we can read to understand how to work through this issue that is so often neglected is the work of John Owen, Mortification of Sin. So uh, your pastor, Layman, I would encourage you to get this book, read through it, uh, and wrestle with uh, Owen's arguments here because uh, they're uh, profoundly biblical and insightful in the application uh, uh, of Scripture to putting to death sin. So uh, again, I look forward to being with you next time as uh, we look at a different Puritan's work. Next time we are together, uh, we will be looking at Elaine's a sure guide to heaven uh, in, in light of the issue of conversion.